0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, thank you for being here tonight. It's a small crowd, I know that. And Turn, uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look together at Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll begin reading at verse 32. And what more, uh, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, "...escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant and fight, uh, turned to, to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword." Uh, They they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better things for us that they without should not be made perfect. Wherefore, chapter 12, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in scripture, the strength that we need, the hope that we seek. Father, help us tonight as we we contemplate the the thoughts in, in this passage of scripture, as we look at running our race, as we approach this new year and and we go into this year with with new hopes and with new new uh, ambitions and new intentions, help us, Lord, to keep that race in our eyes and our sight, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us tonight, Lord, to do those things that will cause us to love you and serve you as we should, that will give us a good testimony among our neighbors and friends. And, Lord, will draw attention to you. And glorify you in all things. Thank you Lord for this time now we ask in Jesus name. Amen. We read just a moment ago. of The sufferings. The trials and the perils. That the prophets of old endured. For the kingdom of God. Uh, We saw the power of their faith. Look again at verse 33. Who through faith. Subdued kingdoms. Wrought righteousness. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. Again, we see the great power that these men possessed in their daily lives. Through their faith. These were a people of great courage. They didn't just manage to get by. Oh, there are so many people today, so many Christians who are just managing to get by. They have the, they have the same great God these men had. They have the same great power available to them that these men had. Men like, like Daniel who withstood the lions. Men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Bednego who quenched the, f- the power of fire. These men had, had the same God you and I have tonight. Yet we often fail. Out of a lack of courage, out of a lack of purpose, out of a lack of principle, we fail while these men succeeded. They were conquerors. In Romans chapter 8, we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Can Can these things rob us of the love of Christ? Can these things take the love of the Father away from you? Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Sometimes when we're in the midst of trials, when we're in the midst of trouble, sometimes in our hearts we stop and we say, oh God, don't you even care? Oh yes, he cares. He cares greatly. He says, and as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are as accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But then he says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. These men and women of the Old Testament, these Old Testament prophets, they were conquerors. They were not conquered, they were conquerors. These did not allow their circumstances to determine their commitment. They made a commitment to God, and they stood by that commitment, regardless of the circumstances. And by the way, you know the Bible does tell us that they that will live godly in this present time shall what? Suffer. If you want to live godly, you will suffer persecution. If you want to live godly, you will face hardships. You will face suffering. Not might, not maybe, will. And these rose above their circumstances. They didn't allow their circumstances to dictate how they were going to live their life, regardless of the cost. Daniel knew that it was, he knew the cost for for praying to God, yet he did it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the cost for not bowing down and worshiping the idol, yet they didn't do it. They overcame, they conquered through faith. They had great courage. And look at the suffering they endured for their trials. Look at chapter 11, look at verse 35. Again, we read, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. These men suffered greatly for their, for, for, for their faith. They suffered great trials. Now, when was the last time that you were mortally threatened because of your faith? When was the last time someone came to your door and said, if you and your family pray tonight, we're going to throw you into a pit of fire. When was the last time that happened to you? It hasn't happened, has it? Praise the Lord, it hasn't happened. We've become so pathetic in America. Now, as we sit in our church pews, we want to feel good about ourselves. The fact of the matter is, we're we're a far cry from what these great prophets were in the past these men and women faced true peril and endured we you're having a a a a fake camp out tonight we have in america we have fake uh tribulation we don't really have any tribulation we don't really have any persecution any suffering we're pathetic we cry and we moan about how tough it is to be a Christian. We sit at home and look for every excuse to stay out of church. You shared a list of excuses with them this morning? I wish you'd have gave that to me. We sit at, people make excuses. Oh, my kids are too sick to come to church. Well, they're not too sick to go to Chuck E. Cheese or, 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 or down the road to play with their friends. Oh, I'm too tired from work. You're not too tired to go home and, turn on the TV set and watch a football game or a basketball game. I have relatives visiting from out of town. Let them sit there and wait. I did that one time. My father-in-law and mother-in-law came to visit. It was Sunday afternoon. I said, we're going to church. You want to come? And I left them sitting there. And I got in the car and I went to church. I came home. They were still sitting there. That was the last time they ever came visit me on a Sunday afternoon. I don't have enough gas in my car, then walk. I coughed this morning. And I don't want to come to church and spread all my germs. I don't care, I came. I'll cough right at you. You get close enough, you'll get it. I need to, I need to work some overtime to pay my bills. Well, don't make bills. Amen. Don't create bills you don't need. Listen, we need to remove the excuses. There are, I said, I said this in Sunday school uh, last week, I believe. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of excuses, but there's one reason to be here, and that's because it's the will of God. These heroes were murdered for their faith, and from that time forward, the slaughter of Christians continued. There were the papal inquisitions from 1229 to 1478 and there was the Spanish Inquisition from 1478 to 1834 and even in the face of death they would not be stopped. So you will forgive me tonight if I cannot find too much sympathy for the weakness of our Christianity today. For the flimsy excuses for failing to obey God and to serve God that is used every day. But not only do we see the suffering and and the trials, but we see the impoverishment they endured with contentment. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 again. Look at verse 37. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not The promise. Christians in America are a bunch of fat cats today. We think that we're suffering for Christ, but we really don't know what suffering is. My children used to say, I'm hungry. I tell them, you don't have any idea what hunger is. You've never gone more than six hours in your life without eating a meal. These men and women went days and weeks without food drinking water on the roadside that was probably filled with all sorts of pathogens and, and, and was going to certainly make them ill. These men and women went days and weeks without food, traveling from town to town, preaching the word of the Lord. And all of this, without regard for their personal comforts or ease. And not once do we read of them complaining, They did not hang their their heads. They faced each challenge that was presented to them with courage and faith. Never seeing the coming of the Messiah, of whom they sought, yet knowing that he would come. And never quitting, never giving up, even if it was their own death, even unto their own death. They never gave up. Then in chapter 12, we receive a stern admonition. Look at verse 1 again of chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also uh, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All those who have gone on before us serve as witnesses for and against us today. David, Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Gideon, Samuel, and the list goes on and on and on. These not only stand in witness of our actions, but also as examples unto us. When we, when we, when we dare quit, when we dare feel that we are overwhelmed, we, we can look at the testimony of these men and women in the scripture. And they serve as, they stand as witness against us. And we, we are to look at them and see their faith and see their courage and see their strength. And we are to pray that God would grant us the same. That we might endure each day. That we might go forward as they did and continue without complaint. With contentment. Now consider with me for a few moments the words of the author of Hebrews. Where he states, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Now this poses a question. How can we who are imperfect lay aside the sin in our life and lay aside the, the, the weight of sin and the burden of sin? And the answer to that is we cannot apart from the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot without the strength of the Father. But we are more than conquerors, are we not? Didn't we just read that a few moments ago, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us? And what does the Bible say is our victory? Anybody know? What is our victory? Our faith. Faith is the victory. So there are some things we, we must do this coming year. As New Year approaches, there are, there are some things that you know, I, could, I could stand here and, and, and ask you to give me a list of, of resolutions, New Year's resolutions, things you're going to do, and, and those would probably all be some good things. But there are at least three things we need to do as God's children, and I want to talk about those tonight for just a few minutes. First, number one, we must employ faith. We must employ faith. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. As I said a moment ago, how can we who are prone to sin lay it aside? How can we, how can we lay aside that which doth so easily beset us? Well, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, we read, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Remember, scripture tells us that our faith in God is our escape. It's the escape God has given us from temptation and sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, we read, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. <coughs> people people make an error in translating this scripture. They say, well, they, sometimes people will tell me, I'm not worried about this problem because... God will never tempt me beyond that which I am able to handle. Oh, really? I don't, I don't, from my experiences over the years, I don't think that's what that scripture is saying. Do you? There's a lot I can't handle. But there's a lot God can handle. And God will never allow me to be tempted beyond that which I am able because God has already given me the ability Through the Holy Spirit to withstand evil. And if I am faithful to Him and if I, if I employ my faith and stand on my faith and live by faith and live and walk in the Holy Spirit and, and yield myself to the, to the Spirit of God, He will show me the way. He will guide me. The Holy Spirit, remember, guides us into all truth. Oh, I can overcome evil. I can withstand temptation, but not in my own strength, not in my own ability. But in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, in the power and strength of Jesus Christ, the Lord, I can overcome. And we must we must learn to employ that faith. We must employ the same faith that compelled Moses, his mother, to set him adrift in the Nile River. Can you imagine? Moses is a little baby and his mother, knowing the purpose of Moses, uh, she set him adrift in, in the Nile River. That, that took faith on her part that took courage on her part we must employ the same faith that gave Noah the sight to see that which no man had ever seen before remember it had never rained ever and God told Noah it's going to rain and no man had ever seen rain but Noah had the faith to see what could not be seen and he acted upon his faith and obeyed the Lord we must employ faith tonight So we go forward tonight by faith. That means we do not know what tomorrow may bring. But what we do know is that God will be with us and will provide for us. Matthew chapter 28, we read, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Yes, I do not know what awaits me over the horizon. Perhaps great blessing, maybe a grave illness, perhaps even death. We never know what's coming, do we? 525 this morning, my, I heard my phone. I received a text. From one of my co-workers. Her father passed away. She's, she's from the Philippines. And she had just been to see him. Last week. And she came back. And she was sharing with me. Her father's faith. And how, how joyous he was to see her. And how happy she was to see him. And then this morning. He passed away. I don't know. Who holds the, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds the future, amen? And I'm in his hands, and we know these things. We know these things. And more than this, we have confidence and know that God is with us. And more, and more than that, he's leading us in the path that we must go. And even though I do not know what tomorrow holds for me, I can face it with courage and confidence because of the faith given me by God. A faith that will help me to overcome. So we can lay down those weights. We can we can lay down those burdens that cause us to stumble and cause us to fall behind. We can lay down the, that sin in our life, the doubt and the unbelief that we feel. We can lay down that sin, that, so easily besets us. Just as Elijah and Elisha, as Samuel and Nehemiah, as Noah and Abraham, as Daniel and Paul, I too can employ the faith that God has given me. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. That's the problem. Too many Christians want to conform to the world. They want to fit in with the world. They want to, they want to look like and act like and talk like and be like the world. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You parents of young, of young people, do not allow the, the, the television, do not allow the philosophy of the world, To shape the mind of your child. Read to them the counsel of God. Share with them the mind of Christ. Teach them to be transformed in the way they think. In the way that they reason. In the way that they process things. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has made the same faith of these great heroes available to me tonight. I can be like they were if I will learn to walk in faith as they did. Remember Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. The just shall live by faith. So first tonight, as we go into this new year, we must employ faith. But then number two, we must endure challenges. We must endure challenges. Hebrews 12.1, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How many of you here have ever run an obstacle course? Any of you? Any of you ever run an obstacle course? I had to run an obstacle course in boot camp. We had to run that thing every day. And we ran it until we became proficient at the obstacle course. The first time I ran that obstacle course, I thought I was going to die. It was no fun at all. Matter of fact, the last time I ran it, I thought I was going to die. It was still no fun but I got much better at it. I knew when to duck and when to dodge, when to dive. And I, I, I learned you have to be careful walking that, that rope because if you get to shaking like this, you're in trouble. And at the bottom is the ugliest, stinkiest, slimiest pit you've ever seen. And you didn't want to go down there. And And the obstacle course. And we had to endure that challenge every day. You know, it's kind of hard when you wake up in the morning and you know you gotta go through the obstacle course today. Uh, you dreaded it. You 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 couldn't stand it. It was it was it was horrible. Now, Hebrews admonishes us to run the race that God has given us. And this is presented in in an athletic setting to run a race to Paul talks about running a race he talks about striving for masteries he talks about being a good soldier and he uses he uses things that these Romans would have known and understood uh, that were a major part of their lives and 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 he admonishes us to run the race that God has given us now it's important for me to note here that we have all been given a race but it's equally important to note that we have, each have an individual race to run. We have a collective race as a church. All of us here in Berean, we have a, we have a collective race to run as, as, as this church, as this body of believers. But we each one of us have an individual race to run. I cannot run your race and you cannot run my race. Now the path of our races may come together for a period of time. I, I, I spoke a while ago about brother uh jim love and uh i had the good fortune to be to be friends and 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 uh be a member in this church with jim love for oh i don't know 10 years maybe long time and uh our our paths came together and we we strove together for a time jose i mean of you remember jose uh, we had jose with us for several years and what a joy it was to run alongside jose in that race and to participate in that race together. And we ran, we, we ran a race together. We, we sang in the choir together, he and I, and, 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 and we, we did things to serve the Lord together. And for a time, our paths may come together, maybe for only days, maybe for months, maybe for decades. But sooner or later, our paths will separate. And we must continue in our own individual race for Christ. We won't always be striving together. Now hopefully we'll never be striving against one another. But we may not always be side by side in our race. Your race and my race may take us apart and we may, we may separate at at one time or another. I used to, I used to tell my high school students, you come to me, you come into my class, you're with me for four years and then you go. And every, every year I'd watch, I'd watch young people that I'd grown very close to and very fond of, I'd watch them go. And I'd pray for them and I'd continue to pray that they would continue to run their race. And, and I pray that they look back on the years we had together and they would glean strength from that. But each of us have an individual race and those races have challenges. They present us with challenges and we must we must face those challenges. And we must endure them for the sake of, the, of Christ. Now, there are two aspects of the race I want you to see tonight. First, letter A, this race must be run with patience. Must be run with patience. The ancient Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was very unique. The winner of this race was not necessarily the runner who finished first. It was the winner. winners was every runner who finished with his torch still lit. At the start of the race, they each had a torch, and it was lit. And their task was to run that race and to to complete that race, and when they reached the other end, their torch still be lit. And that took patience. It didn't take the speediest. It didn't take the one that would take all the shortcuts. It took patience to, to run that race, and to keep your torch lit as ye ran. Luke chapter 21 and verse 19, In your patience possess ye your souls. You need to learn patience. Now, I know for young people that's hard, but we need to have patience in our race. We must endure all of the afflictions, all of the trials, all of the sufferings, all of the reproaches, all of the indignities associated with the Christian walk. We must not allow these things to diminish our faith nor to take away our hope. We must run this race with endurance. We must not give up. But in America we become instant everything people. Don't we? You can take you can take the other day All of a sudden it was time to cook dinner and and the chicken was still frozen. Frozen like a brick. So I took it over to the microwave, hit the defrost button, put it in there. My wife said, wait a minute, you're cooking that chicken. I said, no, I'm defrosting it. She said, but he's cooking it. I said, well, big deal, you're going to cook it anyway. I'm just getting it soft enough where you can cook it. But we're instant everybody, aren't we? We We want things, and we want it right now. We don't have to wait. Everything's got to be instant in our society today. We have instant coffee, instant mashed potatoes, instant everything. You don't want to wait? That's okay. Just open a box and throw some hot water in it and stick it in a microwave for 60 seconds, and it's ready to go. Technology takes us from the freezer to the plate in a matter of moments. We have access to all the amassed knowledge of man. I can go to my computer, I can go to Google and I can type a question and it'll give me, it'll give me 1,257 pages of information. It used to take me months in the library, digging and, and reading and researching. We have access to all the amassed knowledge of man. Our computers run so fast today that before we turn them on, they're on. They're getting to the point where we can talk to them. I can talk to my phone. Sometimes it comes back and says, I'm sorry, I do not understand. Well, that's because I have a southern drawl at times and it doesn't understand me. All of these instantaneous tendencies have crept into our spiritual life as well. We want blessings and we want them now. We don't want to have to wait for him. We want want what we want, and God needs to give it to us, and he needs to give it to us now. And if he doesn't give it to us now, then he's not good. Or he's not real, or he's not there. We want success, and we want it yesterday. Never mind that it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. And in that time, he never lost his faith. Never mind that Joseph spent 13 years in bondage in Egypt before God exalted him to the throne of of the land. Never mind that Moses spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before God finally brought him to his purpose. We want success and we want it now. Otherwise, God is not faithful to us. But we're to run our race in patience. But then, secondly... This race not only must be run patient in patience, but secondly, it must be as run as prescribed. This race has rules. In this race, the ends do not justify the means. 1 Corinthians 10:22 and 23, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. In this race, how we arrive is just as important as where we are going. The philosophy of the world is whatever it takes to win. Lie, steal, cheat, murder, slander, it's all justified if the result is worth it. But this is not the doctrine of Christ. We were in darkness, but now we are in light. The light of Jesus Christ. Now it is time for us to walk and run as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5, we read, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We are to run the race given us by God in truth and in righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 2, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, Yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So we must run the race that is set before us, according to God's word. We are to employ faith. We must endure challenges. And then lastly, we must emulate Christ. We must emulate Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I think the Apostle Paul summed it up best in First Corinthians chapter 4 where he writes, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. This next year as we go through our life, let us emulate Christ. Emulate Christ in your workplace. Emulate Christ in your home, parents, children. Emulate Christ in, in your church. Emulate Christ in your community. So that when men look at you, Paul said, let a man sow account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. When people look at you, do they say, oh, there's a, there's a good Christian? Or do they say, oh, well, look at that guy over there, man. I wouldn't trust him. Pastor jokingly, Looked at Jason and said, Can you give that offering plate to somebody else? Jason's trustworthy. He deals with jewelry. We can trust him. But when men, when people look at you, what do they think? We all love to we all love to give our testimony, which, by the way, is what we think of ourselves. But what if we go to where you work? And talk to your supervisor. And say. What, tell me about. Tell me about this person. Well guess what. What they are going to say. That's your testimony. What they think of you. That's the way you. Project yourself. And that's what we're talking about here. We need to emulate Christ. We need to. We need to be a person that. That that we're we're Christ-like in everything that we do, everything we say, the way we conduct ourselves. Philippians tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, in closing, allow me to share some thoughts with you concerning the character needed to emulate Christ. First, we see that he was unselfish. Christ was unselfish. He didn't think of himself first. He came to serve, not to be served. Christ's attitude wasn't, well, what's in it for me? Christ's attitude was, what can I do for you? And and, in his human form. Jesus, though he was in every way God, was not pretentious and sought not to glorify himself. Secondly, he was a servant. He was a servant. He came, I said, as I said, he came to serve, not to be served. And so it must be in our pilgrimage through this life. I've learned this in 37 years in the ministry. The more I help others, the more others help me. The more I do for you, the more you do for me. And that's the way, that's God's way. You see, God wants me to worry about what you need. And he'll have you worry about what I need. Amen. We take care of each other. We don't think about ourselves first. God uses us and he blesses us so we can bless others. And he blesses others so they can bless us. And this is the way, this is the the will of the Father concerning our love and our care and our provision for one another. I am to care for you, you are to care for me, we are to care for each other. Jesus was a servant. Thirdly, he was humble. The Bible says he became, he humbled himself. Even unto the death of the cross, he humbled himself. Humility is me seeing myself the way God sees me. Not the way I want to be seen, but the way God sees me. That's humility. Ronald Reagan once said, There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go. If he doesn't care who gets the credit. We're to be humble. And then, lastly, he was obedient. Obedience is the compliance with what is required as well as the abstinence of what is prohibited. Now each of us have a a race to run tonight. Both collectively as a church, but also individually. So in 2018, if we are going to run our race, we're going to need to employ faith. We're going to need to endure challenges. And we're going to need to emulate Christ. What does, what does 2018 hold for us? What does it hold for Berean Baptist Church? What does it hold for Brian Petro? What does it hold for Richard Soto? What does it hold for Tabor Gerald? I don't know. I don't know what it holds for me either. But I do know this God knows. And that's good enough for me. Let's let's just run our race this year. Run it with patience. Run it as it's prescribed. Help one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Serve our church. Do do what needs to be done in this place to, to spread the gospel throughout this area. And at the end of 2018, we'll be able to stand up and we'll be able to say, well... We had a great year because in this year we glorified the father and in this year we served him. That's what we need to to do. That, That should be our resolution this year is to glorify God in our church, in our homes and in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, father, to see ourselves. Help us to look into the mirror. Of the Bible. And, and Lord not, not to paint beautiful pictures of ourself that we want to see. But help us to look into the mirror of your word. And see ourselves as we are. And Lord allow you to, to guide us and to lead us and to change us. Only you can change a heart. Allow us to be what we need to be. Help us Father to serve you throughout this coming year with. With joy and with gladness and with purpose. Use us and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707 584 7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronit Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.